Welcome to the ETAP Podcast, a service of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Each month, we'll provide information and insight into environmental issues important to state transportation officials. February is Black History Month, an annual celebration of achievements by African Americans and a time for recognizing the central role of black people in U.S. history. The creation of Black History Month was spearheaded by Carter G. Woodson, a Virginia native, former sharecropper, and Harvard graduate who's considered the father of African-American history. Today, Woodson's home in the historically Black Shaw neighborhood in Washington, D.C., is a national historic site. In honor of Black History Month and Woodson's legacy, this month's ETAP podcast will focus on how the nation's capital is advancing transportation equity. I'm Bernie Wagenblast, your host, and I'm joined today by Jeff Bennett, who leads the Transit Delivery Division at the D.C. Department of Transportation. Jeff also serves as president of the D.C. chapter of the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials, or COMTO. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's go back to last year, which wasn't all that long ago, but uh, you spoke at the AASHTO Joint Policy Conference about the long history of systemic racism in America's transportation systems, and you drew a through line from the construction of railroads back in the 19th century to the establishment of the nation's highway system, to the planning of subway systems and other urban public transit. Tell us a bit, if you would, about the history and where transportation equity stands today, please. The nation's railroads, they were part of, I guess, the first mechanisms for transportation in the United States. And so African-Americans at that point were property or uh, slaves. And so a lot of the um, nation's railroads uh, use African-Americans as labor and they show up even on their uh, business books as uh, hands or um, property for those purposes. And then as time went along and African-Americans uh, gained their freedom, part of the um, transit systems as far as uh, busing, et cetera. And so there's the, uh, I guess, the separate but equal part of it. And so African-Americans can ride in certain areas of the trains or buses and over time in the um, 1950s and 60s, uh, African-Americans began to challenge those notions. And so most notably, um, Rosa Parks in the 1950s challenged that, as well as some of the Freedom Riders. And eventually they got to the point where they could uh, sit to wherever they wanted to on transit. So those were key wins for the minority communities. Unfortunately, at that point, the nation was kind of moving to the automobile boom where the single occupancy vehicle was king and the development of the uh, highway system. And just happened that the folks designing those systems uh, systematically divided the communities. So you would have the black communities and the white communities and the highways would go between those communities. So that was another layer of keeping those specific communities separate. Today, we're continuing to work to improve equity in transportation. Uh, just a few stats can share. Um, 20% of black households do not have access to an automobile. 24% of public transit riders are African-American, which is the second largest group of riders, even though their U.S. population is 12%. 10% of African-Americans rely on public transportation to get to their jobs. 14% fewer jobs were located near black residents in major metro areas between 2000 and 2012. 6% of all bike trips are made by African-Americans. And 17% of Black households are unbanked and 30% are underbanked. So 
just given those stats to show where some African-Americans are today and all that to say, you know, transit is key for folks to get to where they need to get to in the community. One of the stats that you just gave, you talked about 24% of public transit users are Black Americans. And I would imagine that those numbers may be even higher right now during COVID as people in many cases have worked from home, but uh, a lot of folks have not been able to work from home. Essential workers have to use transit to get to their jobs. How has COVID, you think, affected, uh, not necessarily in terms of numbers per se, but just in terms of the dependency on transit systems to get people to where they have to go? I think it definitely highlights the importance of the transit systems. My um, day job at DDI, or D.C. Department of Transportation, we were one of the areas that we needed to remain running and providing our circulator bus and a D.C. streetcar for those essential workers. So it also highlights the importance of essential workers and you know, our need to make sure that they were protected as well. You talk about your day job at the uh, D.C. Department of Transportation. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Washington, D.C., and I'm particularly interested in your efforts to advance transportation equity in the district. What are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing, and how are you trying to address some of those challenges? So right now, it's, it's really just trying to um, get a full um, spectrum of those challenges with um, our efforts at um, D.C. Department of Transportation. We're part of a number of organizations in the community, specifically my uh, division. Uh, we have what's called the Kids Ride Free Program. And essentially what we do is we provide smart trip cards to uh, students in the Washington, D.C. community so that they could get to school because we don't have a uh, school bus network per se. Also previously, um, the mayor in uh, 2019 for eight months, the DC circulator system, bus system was free. And um, there's been legislation introduced by some of the council members to make it free in the future. So I would imagine, you know, after all the COVID budget cuts, uh, maybe probably in um, 2022, that that legislation would be reintroduced. Also um, the DC streetcar has always been free. so. You know, I'm a proponent of free transportation. Obviously, there's cost uh, for operating and maintaining system, but providing low cost or free transit helps uh, not just lower income folks, but everybody as well. It provides an option for folks to get around. Specific to um, transportation equity, Comto DC recently joined the uh, DC Transportation Equity Network, also known as uh, DC10. And so um, what we're doing there is we're working on transportation policies that can help rectify disparities in access to jobs, schools, healthcare, recreation, and uh, opportunities as a whole. So we're in the uh, beginning phases of that group. Some of the other um, organizations in that group is um, Community Connections, DC Central Kitchen, DC Families for Safe Streets, as well as uh, So Others Might Eat. We're definitely happy to be involved with those folks. Going back again to last year's ASTO Joint Policy Conference, one of the things that you talked about there were strategies for community engagement, including demonstration projects like DC's electric bus program. Tell us a bit about the success of that program and the city's bus fleet and where it's at now. Yeah, that program has been hugely successful. Um, It was initially named the pilot project. And after we received our first bus, it was kind of uh, given to us like, okay, now it's permanent because we like the bus so much. (laughs) 
you know, there's um, some nice amenities um, that other transit systems don't offer, for example, uh, USB ports and Wi-Fi. So right now we have uh, 14 electric vehicles. Our goal is to have an entire electric fleet. Currently our fleet, we have 72 vehicles and uh, probably over the next uh, year or two, we'll probably have around 100 to 110 buses. So as the um, non-electric buses reach the end of their useful life, uh, we replace those with the electric vehicles. Um, we were fortunate recently, the FTA uh, awarded us a grant for $6 million. And so with that money, we're um, upgrading our infrastructure network to support more electric vehicles, um, such as the uh, chargers for the vehicles. Long-term, what we're working on right now is a new bus operations and maintenance facility that will be located in um, Prince George's County, Maryland, um, just across the border. And so, of course, that'll be able to uh, support those vehicles on a larger scale. But ultimately, it's been uh, 99% positive feedback. Sometimes when we talk about initiatives, there's the law of unintended consequences that also comes along. And you could maybe say that to some degree with transit-oriented development. That was one of the other challenges that you highlighted. One of the things that's happened with that is that it tends to drive up property values. And that means displaced residents, perhaps, who can no longer afford to live where some of this development is taking place. And it particularly affects Black communities. Tell us a bit about how you're trying to meet that challenge in D.C. That's one that uh, we're continuing to work on, um, D.C. government leadership city council, et cetera. One program that they do have, and, and I'm excited about this program and I'm glad they have, is the uh, what's called the voucher program. And so say for instance, I use the example with Berry Farms. So Berry Farms was a um, affordable housing community in Southeast DC and it's being redeveloped. And so those folks that were um, displaced from their community because of the development they became part of a voucher program and basically they could relocate to any area of the city that accepts those vouchers. Folks that are listening can receive more information at the DC Housing Authority website at dhcd.dc.gov. So that, that's a huge program because it allows folks to still have a roof over their head and, and have housing. Uh, one drawback that I've heard about that is once folks get settled in their new area, they're pretty settled and they don't want to relocate back. But ultimately, this allows them to have housing. When you talk about transportation systems, you tend to first think about they're there to bring people from one place to another. But another important role that they play is providing a paycheck for the people who are working for those transportation agencies. And more inclusive hiring practices is something that you've been involved with, both at DOT and Comto. Tell us a bit about how you're trying to advance those more inclusive hiring practices. Indeed, we have the most uh, inclusive hiring um, practices that I've seen throughout my uh, 15-year career, and I'm happy that we have that in place. And so our mandate is, say, for instance, if I'm hiring somebody in transit so I can have no more than one other transit person on my interview panel, and ultimately... It has to be a gender and racially diverse panel. So just having different backgrounds, different skill sets. And I've been on quite a few um, interview panels here in DDOT. And ultimately, those diverse viewpoints when you're 
in those strategy sessions, trying to find the best candidate, it ultimately pushes you to hire the best person. As far as with uh, Comto uh, DC, Conference of Monetary Transportation Officials, we have a diversity committee and they work with companies, primarily minority businesses, but um, we also work with some uh, big name companies as well. So right now we have an initiative where we're working, helping folks work on their diversity statements and uh, equity analysis. Of course, all this is pro bono since we're nonprofit, but, you know, just helping companies with another set of eyes to, you know, try to help. You mentioned an interesting concept at the joint policy conference, fix, then build. Tell us a bit about what you mean by that and how it relates to transportation funding and transportation's impact on the environment, please, Jeff. So I'll preface this, my answer, majority of my career, I've been an operations person. So focusing on making the system work today, what's going on today. I'll use um, our friends at WMATA as an example, DC Metro. So right now they're undergoing a huge track improvement project. I think they're scheduled to finish up sometime next year. But, you know, the system's been in operation for over 30 years basically keeping their current system working, not delaying the platform repairs or any repairs, track repairs, making the current system work. So allocating money for that. And they're also working on their expansion project to Dulles. And so I know this is probably two separate buckets of money, but I guess what maybe it's just my personal pet peeve as an operations person. What I dislike is when we struggle to have our current transit systems running and we kick repairs down the line. And then we're planning, you know, huge expansion projects or expansion projects are under construction. So that's what I mean by that. I know ultimately we do have to plan for the future. And again, I'm sure those are two separate buckets of money, but I think it's important that folks make sure their current systems are operating optimally as is before allocating dollars to those projects. Jeff, we've mentioned several times Comto during this uh, discussion and your involvement with it. For folks who are listening to the podcast and would like to get more information about Comto or possibly become involved, tell us how they might go about that, please. The best way to get involved, they can go to uh, comtonational.org. You can search for your uh, chapter in your area. Um, So here in D.C., we have a chapter, and then in Maryland, they have a chapter also, uh, folks in Richmond now have a chapter or nationwide. And or you can reach me directly at uh, jeffrey.bennett at dc.gov. It's uh, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y dot B-E-N-N-E-T-T at dc.gov. Well, we've been talking on this episode of the Ashto ETAP podcast with Jeff Bennett. He leads the Transit Delivery Division at the D.C. Department of Transportation and also serves as the president of the D.C. chapter of the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials. Jeff, thanks so much for taking time out to chat with us this month. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.